graduated from college and I got a year in the working world where I was uh, working as a warehouse manager in a plumbing field. And I'm like, what am I doing? I went to a arena football game. I'm like, those guys are living their dream right now, having the time of their life. And you're not making it rich in the arena football league. You're, you're it's playing. fun though. Oh, it's, looks, it's it looks time. like the funnest football ever. Time. Yeah. Well, everyone asked me why I played so long. Yeah. And well, honestly, therapy's expensive. Yeah. So, but, but for me, you know, football is like a drug, especially yeah. towards the end. Like I, I, I got a high off it. Yeah. And even, you know, when I'm in my mid thirties, um, playing against guys that are just out the NFL or guys in their mid or early twenties. And I wake up the morning after a game and I can't move. I feel alive. Like, yeah. And, and I, I always love it. I miss it now. Yeah. But not with all, all the pains I, I have. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> well, thank you. It's it's Coach Vaughn, right? Yes. Perfect. I, I didn't know if I was pronouncing that correct. But you've taken over the College of DuPage football program the last two years. We're the first two years being head coach and national champs back-to-back. So really wanted to get you on. I know that the goal is to kind of get the College of DuPage football program a little more well-known in the community. Um, but just first, just getting into obviously having so many different kind of personalities coming into the program, different backgrounds. You know, we discussed a little bit of of what it looks like you know you have people that maybe didn't get drafted for d1 people that were playing at d1 schools or people that weren't really sure if, if uh, d1 was something that they wanted to pursue um how do you manage all of the different personalities and how do you get everyone on the same page or what did you do differently coming in where you were able to lead them to a national championship your first and second year in so pretty pretty loaded question um <laughs> i guess going into it there's three types of kids that junior college football caters to um, you get the kids that were at a four-year institution, and typically at this level, it's somebody who's on scholarship at a Division One program, lost their scholarship for usually not a good reason, and have to go to a junior college and their associate's degree, and then they can go back to the four-year level, take a scholarship. The second is somebody that has some offers but don't have the grades to take it. That's an academic non-qualifier. So that person's going to have to get his associate's degree, and then when he gets recruited out, they take his... Uh, his uh, two-year degree for admissions as opposed to his high school stuff. And then you have academic qualifiers, so somebody did well academically, um, but just don't have the offers at a level they feel, that, and we feel that they can play at. Um, those, those kids, as long as they maintain 12 credits at a 2.5 GPA, they can leave whenever they get a scholarship offer. So the majority of junior colleges across the country, they deal with primary, primarily category one and two. So they get the bounce backs, the guys, uh, that caused some trouble at, at previous schools, that made some mistakes, and then they get guys that, that fell short academically. A lot of them were, were three, four, five stars in high school. Um, we, we have a lot of kids out of Category 2 in my program, but we have the largest influx in the country of Category 3. So we have uh, the most amount of kids that did well academically, just we feel that in a year they could play at a higher level than they're being recruited at. We do take the bounce backs but we take special circumstance bounce backs. So we'll take a guy at a lower level college that wants to roll the dice and, and see if he can earn a division one scholarship. When we take a division one kid, we take a kid that was a preferred walk on, didn't have a scholarship, that wants to earn one. Uh, because of that right there, we get kids that choose to come to our program and aren't coming to our program by default. So on paper, the teams that were beaten, we shouldn't beat them on paper. We're playing against uh, teams that have five, four star kids, guys that were at Nebraska, LSU, oh, Texas wow. Tech, all over the country, and we're playing against those kids, and we're loaded with guys that 
basically were no names out of high school. And because of that, we're, we're beating these guys because our kids are coming here for a purpose. It's not an individualistic thing like the most teams we play. They come here and they understand that the more they play together, the, the more opportunities uh, comes for the entire team. Um, because of that, so after my first year, after we won the national championship, we sent 38 guys out on scholarship. Now, the, the dream is Division I scholarships. That's why they all come to my program. But for me, the goal is getting them free education when they leave. So if I get a kid that comes in my program that has, you know, maybe a $5,000 scholarship to a $45,000 a year school, if he comes to my program and he leaves with, with college paid for at an NAI uh, program, that's still a win in my book. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get them free education here. And, and so because of that, we're having great numbers with it. And so to answer your question, it's because our guys are, are here for they ch- each other. They're not here for themselves. And they understand that playing together, we can beat the guys that on paper we're not supposed to beat. Yeah. We're better athletes, you know, just as good as athletes, just as good as football players. We just didn't have the notoriety of a lot of the guys that we're playing against. And, and honestly, playing against those guys is what gets a lot of our guys noticed also. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. And then for your program, I know we've been here for almost two years now. So College of DuPage, and, and this is the first I'm hearing that you guys were national <laughs> champs, which yeah. is crazy because it's five minutes down the road. Is mm-hmm. that, do you think that's like a funding issue for the program? Is it not enough people in the community? Like why? Uh, <laughs> It's a lot of issues. Um, you know, we probably could market better as, as an institution uh, about what we're doing here. Um, the stigma of junior college football mm-hmm. um, in a lot of areas is a black eye. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Netflix documentary, Last Chance You. They had four seasons of it. I, I didn't dive into it completely, but probably an yeah. episode or so. Yeah. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so that it's good and bad. It's, it's good because it shows you the level of competition that's here. Yeah. There's some big boys. A lot of NFL players went the junior college route. Um, but the, the bad part is our program's nothing like that. We're a complete 180 from that. Mm-hmm. And the majority of junior college programs throughout the country are in very rural towns. So there are 1,200 student schools uh, enrollment-driven, so they, they'll try to get a 200, 250-man roster because for the school to fund that sport, they need all those guys paying tuition. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have that problem. We're the only junior college that's in a metropolitan area. Uh, we have 25,000 students. So as far as the school goes and the community goes, we're kind of just a blip on their radar. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of the reasons why it's not as known as it should be. So what do you think could help with, like, just outside of marketing? Is there anything else that, like? The, the special interest pieces. You know, uh-huh. some of the lives we're changing, some of the kids that, have gone through the program and where they've ended up going, not just in my time as head coach, but my time in the program. You know, I've been on staff for 10 years total, and I played there 23 years ago also. Mm-hmm. So I'm really invested in this program, and, and I know all the stories. I can't tell you any given year what our record is, but I can yeah. tell you who was on that team and where they went. And that's the important part. You know, we've, we've had kids that grew up bouncing around from foster homes, didn't have any structure. You know, all the bad stories you hear about foster home kids, they lived it, and they're using football as a vehicle to pay for not only their undergrad, but their master's degrees. We get guys that, um, you know, basically the only option they had to do out of high school is go to a trade school, you know, roll the dice in our program and, and their NFL draft picks. You know, just some of the lives that we're changing is yeah. unbelievable. And I think with the community out here, if a lot of the uh, uh, taxpayers out here knew the, the actual individual stories, 
that probably change their perception of what they think they know about junior college football. Yeah, I would agree with that. How would you say, like, what if you had to explain your coaching style? So with working with, because, like, we, within our business, like, I'm in leadership, so you get different people, like you're mentioning, different backgrounds. Like, how would you say your coaching style is? What do you think is the best approach dealing with so many different personalities or walks of life? I think the one of the things that's helped me the most in, in developing my own style is uh, I played 13 years professional football in, in the Arena Football League, and towards the end of my career, I retired in 2019. I was closer in age to the coaches than I were uh, to the players mm -hmm. on the team, and my teammates were closer in age to the kids I'm coaching at COD. So I, I can relate with them, and, and I'm really big on people have roles. So as a coach, as a football coach, my role is to guide and mentor these, these kids. And I have offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. Their, their job is to construct the X and O's, the game plans, put it all together, teach the kids. Um, we have academic support people, and they stay in their lane. And I tell the kids, you know, you guys all have a role, whether you're the starter, the backup, or some guy that's a year away from even being able to contribute. You have a role. And to be good at, you know, to move up in life, to move up in, in the business world, anywhere you go, you might not like your role, but you have to be successful at it. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anybody get promoted by being bad at their job. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I kind of live that. I didn't even start in high school, and I went to College of DuPage, got a scholarship, and played professionally. When I, when I went to the College of DuPage, I was the lowest guy on the depth chart. Mm -hmm. And just because I showed up every day, I, I jumped ahead of people, and I was starting by the third game my freshman year. Oh, wow. And it, it just goes to show, you know, as adults, like, there's days you don't want to wake up. Mm -hmm. There's days you want to lay in bed all, all day. But if you got bills to pay, everything like that, you've got to get up and keep moving forward. And that's what we, we try to get to these kids is, is you know, there's going to be hard days. You know, we're going to try to prepare you for life, and you got to keep moving forward with all this stuff. And, and, and so, again, going into that, uh, the big thing of it is – Everyone has their role, and that's what we kind of preach in the program. And, and so my leadership style is that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm here for the kids. If they got problems, they can come to me. Um, you know, the recruiting, all that stuff. You know, I, I coach a position group. But my job is to be there for the kids. Other coaches, their job is to, you know, not only be there for the kids, but implement whatever they have to do in their daily duties, and we all stay in our roles. And as long as everyone's doing that, I'm not going to micromanage anybody. Yeah, so when you have people so specifically for, I'm thinking of like backup players, right? Um, are there times or like situations where people maybe aren't bought into being backup player? How would you help them understand the importance of being a backup player and trying to lead them to mm -hmm. eventually being a starter? Good question. Um, one thing about our program is we play the best players mm -hmm. and there, there are no favorites. So if, if somebody's mad at their playing time or not starting, you know, get better. You know, and, and we'll give you the tools to do it, but it's on you to get yourself game ready is what we call it. Once you get yourself game ready, it's on us coaches then to put you in situations to be successful. So this is not like um, high school football. This is not like uh, NFL football where the starter is the starter and playing the whole game. Mm -hmm. um, we understand our role, and I think that's what's very good about my coaching staff and why we're as successful as we are getting kids moving on is we understand these kids – wasn't their first choice to come here. No kid ever dreamed of playing junior college football growing up. But what we are is that platform for them to get where they dreamed of going. And, and to do that, they need film to leave. And so 
what we're going to do, as long as the kid does his part to get game ready, we're going to make sure they get in and they get that opportunity. I've never had a, uh, a four-year coach come in and want to offer a kid that rushed for 1,300 yards. They don't care about that. They, they want to see two and a half minutes of film of that kid doing, showing his skills and, and showing what he can do with the ball in his hand. And we preach that to the kids. Because of that, you know, if you run the football 180 times a year as a running back, you're going to be pretty worn down by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if we hand the ball off 50 times to five different guys, that's plenty of carries to get two and a half minutes of film, plus you're running fresh. And, and uh, you know, the, the proof's out there with that and what we're doing. You know, we, we led the nation in rushing this last year by, by over 100 yards a game over the second-place team. But we didn't have a single running back uh, hit the leaderboard because none of them had the minimum amount of carries to, uh, to uh, reach that threshold. So I, I believe it was like 80 or 90 carries to, to hit the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. We had five guys that had between 44 and 60 carries. And if they would have hit that minimum threshold, we would have been number one, number two, number three, and number four in the country in yards per carry. Wow. Now, looking at the other side of it, and, and you know, I, I have some issues with some other programs, how they operate, and, and one of it, like, you know, you get a kid with 160 carries and his backup only has 15. Well, what opportunities is that backup going to get to get recruited out? What about the backup's backup? What opportunities is he getting to get recruited out? Um, you know, we're, we're a team in 2021. We uh, were very successful running the ball, too. We had two running backs go Division One. You know, we've even in our program had two receivers from the same class not only go Division One on scholarships, but get drafted in the NFL. And that's because of the kids getting the opportunities and, and making sure that when a kid does his part to get game ready, that's studying the playbook, uh, work it, working hard in the offseason to get bigger, stronger, faster, and make sure he's not a liability when he gets in there, that we get the kid opportunities and we put him in spots to be successful. I think of, I don't know if you watch uh, basketball, but it reminds me of the women's basketball game, LSU versus Iowa. Jasmine didn't see any playing time, mm-hmm. and she won the game for LSU. Yeah. And she got put in because I think it was, what, three or three or four of their starting players were on the bench within the first half for um, for fouls, and she got put in and completely changed the game. So backups are, are so important, and giving people playing time is important too. Do you guys do a lot of recruiting, or do people come to you because of how it works with, you know, D1 play people or trying to get scholarships? Yep, it, it's both. It's a two-way yeah. street. So um, we, we almost – put on a national campaign for our guys. Uh, we make our own graphics. Mm-hmm. We send out what we call a prospect sheet. So any kid that's available to leave after that next semester, we put them on a prospect sheet. It's broken down by position, has all their measurables, the, the links to their film. And we send it out to every school from Division One down to Division Three. And then throughout the season, we'll break it up. We'll take the receivers and send it to every receiver coach in the country. Quarterbacks, vice versa. And then... You know, when a kid's on his last year eligibility with us, we'll have one-on-one meetings with them, and we'll ask them, okay, here's the level we see you playing at. Why don't you give us some realistic schools that, that you would like us to reach out to on your behalf? And I say realistic because every kid's going to come up to me and say, Alabama. Well, Nick Saban's not going to answer my call. And <laughs> to be honest, I don't think we have a kid that's good enough to play at Alabama. Um, so once we get these the realistic lists, list, we'll reach out on that kid's behalf. And even if the school says no, at least we know not to put any more effort into that school for that kid. And, and it's like sales. You know, it, it's got to be a want and a need for that kid and his, his skill set. And 
a lot of the kids that we have a lot of success with, they play at, at schools that might only have five Division One schools that come through their building at that school. Now, they didn't get a Division One offer. That doesn't mean they're a Division One football player. That just means the five schools that have eyes on their high school didn't have a spot for them or a need for them at their spot. And so we try to do our best as a coaching staff to make sure all the eyes are on these kids on a national platform. And then my coaching staff, you know, with my professional experience, um, I got some other coaches that, that have played Division One football, a coach that played in the NFL, another coach that's coached at Division One schools. So I went to college in Hastings College, which is dead center in the state. Yeah, Hastings. Yeah. yeah. I didn't drive all the way out there, but I uh, spent all my time in Lincoln and a little bit of time in Omaha. Okay. I, uh, I played three years for the Omaha Beef in, in arena football. Okay. So I, I lived out there for uh, three of my seasons. Let's go. Yeah, I really enjoyed it out there. That uh, I met some some of the alumni Huskers at a cigar lounge that I was okay. a member at, and one that was like currently active. Some some of them I still talk to and uh, different things like that that okay. played played out for for the Huskers. So okay. they definitely love their football out mm -hmm. there. There's a, a former Husker that lives, uh, he's one of their star players, lives right down the street from here. Yeah? Yeah, Jordan Westerkamp. So he's yeah. he's out here as a, as a chiropractor now. Okay, that's yeah. sweet. That's sweet. We had Shazier on your podcast. Yes. Um, not oh, yeah. the he former Steeler? Yeah, yeah, former okay. Steeler, Ryan Shazier. He's got a great story. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah he's got a phenomenal story. So he's uh, loosely partnered with my partner's uh, main entity. Okay. So he's out in Pittsburgh. So they do some work together. Awesome. Yes, sir. What NFL teams did people out of College of DuPage get drafted to? Where are they playing at? Uh, 49ers. Uh, in 2016, we had a guy drafted to the 49ers, one drafted to the Raiders. So Johnny Holton, who's drafted by the Raiders, is in the NFL record book for a 99-yard uh, touchdown reception. Wow. Uh, there's probably like 15 guys that have done it in the history of the NFL, yeah. uh, but he's one of them. Um, that same year, we had uh, Mike Thomas. Uh, He's drafted by the Bengals. No, not the Bengals. Um, I can't remember who he's drafted by, but played for the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Yeah. He had a catch two years ago in the Super Bowl. Um, we've had guys play for the Vikings. That's probably so cool to see, like mm -hmm. watching them go on to, to the NFL. Living the dream. Knowing that you were a yeah. part of it. Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. not, nothing's better. Like, I, have a, I have a young child now, so uh -huh. he's, he'll be three in June. So now I finally, you know, understand what it, what it is to have your own kid, but... Before that, like these kids were my kids, and and I I felt like I was able to do some great things with football. But seeing the kids that I helped develop go farther than me is, is a really rewarding feeling, and seeing them live their dreams is is one of the reasons why even on the hard days it's so easy to get up in the morning because you know you're making an impact in people's lives. Yeah, do you got your three three year old throwing the football yet? Uh, yes and no. He likes to play fumble. <laughs> so he, he wants me to fight with him with the ball on the ground. I just got him wearing a baseball glove for the first time the other day, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. What yeah. position did you play for baseball? I was a third base and catcher. Okay. So that, that was my, uh, my number one sport growing up. And I was going to play uh, both sports at the College of DuPage when I went there. Mm -hmm. um, and they told me I could. And I had a very successful freshman fall. So I'm like, all right, well, here's springtime for baseball. And they're like, ah, oh, you got to pick one or the other. Oh. Yeah, so I stuck with football. Yeah, were you better at football or better at baseball, do you think? I was better at baseball, um, but I grew more into football. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, it's, football to me is a little more exciting because similar with softball, mm -hmm. I was better at softball, but it was a little slower. It wasn't as fast as some of the other sports. Yeah. But that's amazing. Do you have any, um, any siblings that played sports or? I have an older brother. He, uh, he played up until high school and then stopped. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
have you coached anyone that that you know outside? Because are you you weren't from this area? Um, I, I am from the area. I'm from Wheaton. My parents still live okay. live in the house I grew up at, and I, I live in Lombard now, about ten minutes away from them. So okay. Have you? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I have you coached anybody that you knew, or everyone into the program is people that? Yeah, all the time now, and, and I really feel my age when when guys that I played with or my friends growing up, like, hey. Uh, you take a look at my son you know do you think you got a spot for him so that makes me feel a little bit yeah I, I get kids that uh i knew their parents or grew up with their parents stuff like that you know coming in the program every now and then my question was dumb it, dumber <laughs> <laughs> you said wheaton and i've been thinking about uh i got a traeger grill okay and i keep seeing like uh, ads for like wheaton meat 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 uh, market meat yeah. market is that place any good I would suggest uh, Mike's in Villa Park. Mike's, Mike's Meat Market. Yeah, that's, that's where everyone everyone goes that I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. gets good cuts of meat and everything. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I don't know if you're a vegetarian. I didn't. I mean, you could take one look at me and know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, he's probably not a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he's one of those genetically blessed individual vegetarians. <laughs> so, go ahead with continue with your. I'm more of a personal question. No, go for it. Go for it. I feel like I was hammering you a little bit with um, the coaching questions, mm-hmm. so. It'd probably be good for you to break it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I get, uh, so I'm just curious, you know, where were you, you know, born and raised in Wheaton? Yep. Parents, where are they from? So my uh, my dad grew up in the city, my mom grew up in Wakanda, which is northwest, pretty far out, uh, maybe about an hour and a half from here, and they met on a blind date in college. So we're not talking about Marvel, right? Did you say Wakanda? Wakanda, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, thought right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like... Is he messing with me right yeah. now? Okay. Okay, so Wakanda's in Illinois. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So they yep. met on a blind date. Met on a blind date in college. I think my dad was on his uh, second stint of college. You know, it took him a couple tries. Yeah. My mom was a freshman. Yeah. I think he probably just liked the idea of somebody cooking for him and doing his laundry. And then yeah. here they are. Uh, As I get older, that just starts later. sounding better and better. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> So 45 years, they're still together. Congrats, yeah. congrats. Yeah, Espe- you. Man, I, uh, I watch a lot of podcasts, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not real savvy to news or different things like that, but there's some podcasts and some individuals that I do trust. And uh, the, statistic of, the statistics of individuals that stay married nowadays, it's just it's, uh, discerning, you know what I mean? So when mm-hmm. I hear of individuals that's taken out, that's another good, that's another good area to kind of research of, like, you know, because I would measure that as success. You know what I mean? Of staying committed to one individual and, mm-hmm. and building a, a long-term successful family opposed to, you know, be, I grew up in a broken household. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's definitely something that I, you know, admire and aspire to have one day for myself. So yep. shout out to your your parents leading the way and still holding it down. Yeah, my, my dad's a very uh, understanding man. Yes, uh, <laughs> I hear that's the key. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that's a you huge know, I, key. I used, to, I used to make fun of my dad all the time growing up. Like, Dad, why don't you ever put your foot down? You know, you let mom yeah. make all the decisions and... And now I look at myself, and I'm like, I'm the same exact guy. So yeah. I, I make 10,000 decisions at work, and I go home and, and make don't none. make one. Yeah. 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 And, and the decisions I do make, I ask what she likes first. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, man, so you're growing up. What was what was that early stages of life like? You know what I mean? What Can you remember back to, like, elementary days mm-hmm. and middle school days? What What was forming you into the man you are today? Sports. 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 Structure. You know, Football kind of, you know, sports in general guided, guided my life. Yeah. And everyone has something different. Everyone that's successful has something different that kind of shaped them and guided them. You know, some people have religion. Mm-hmm. Some people have their family that, that do it for them. Your religion was the gridiron. Yep, yep. And, and 
you know, I stayed out of trouble as a kid because yeah. I was always afraid of not being able to play sports. Mm -hmm. um, in college, I, I was a pretty bad student. Mm -hmm. um, I always stayed eligible because I didn't know what I was going to do if I didn't play sports. Yeah, you know, I was, I was always I always had it in my head that uh, if I somehow football was taken away from me, I'd, I'd join the military. But you know, I'd rather play sports. And then, uh, you know, even after it, I graduated from college and I got a year in the working world, or as uh, working as a warehouse manager in a plumbing field, and. I'm like, what am I doing? I went to a arena football game. I'm like, those guys are living their dream right now, having the time of their life. And, and you're not making it rich in the arena football league. You're, you're it's playing. fun, though. Oh, it's, looks, it's It looks time. like the funnest it's football ever. Time. Yeah. Well, everyone asked me why I played so long. Yeah. And, well, honestly, therapy is expensive. Yeah. So, but, but for me, you know, football is like a drug, especially yeah. towards the end. Like, I, I, I got a high off it. Yeah. And even, you know, when I'm in my mid-30s, um, playing against guys that are just out the NFL or guys in their mid or early 20s, and I wake up the morning after a game and I can't move, I feel alive. Like yeah, and, and I, I always love it. I miss it now. Yeah, but not with uh, all the pains I I have. Yeah, you know, I I can get through without playing it. But yeah. coaching is the perfect segue into keeping a part of the game, keeping that feeling of. of, of that, that the endorphins I got from football yeah. and now seeing guys that I'm, I'm uh, mentoring and pushing and, and trying to get the best out of, you know, using it to shape their lives. Were there any life altering events that occurred in your childhood growing up that kind of made you, you know, who you are today? Uh, I would say my parents, you know, it's not a life altering event, but I was very blessed. And, and, my best friend growing up, his parents are still together. They've been married 40-something mm. years, but that's not the case for everyone around us growing yeah. up. So I always knew how lucky I was. I always knew that uh, if I failed, I could still go home. My parents still loved me, and my parents would still help me get back on track. So because of that, I never I never was fearful of, of taking that leap and yeah. in, in doing things. And, and you know, I, I hope to be able to be that structure for my son mm. Um, the way my parents were for him, because a lot of a lot of the stuff I've I've been able to do was because of the support of my parents and the examples they set, yeah, and everything like that. That's fire. That's fire. What did your parents do for a living? So my dad's a salesman. Um, traveled all the time. Uh, it's not going to sound glamorous. He was he was a cup salesman. <laughs> all right. So, you know, when you go to the gas station, they got the styrofoam cups or yeah. the styrofoam yeah. to go containers. That was him, and and he was a district manager, so he's in charge of like three or four states. Yeah. What it was always traveling, and, and something that I'll never forget was his dad worked overnights. His dad was a, you know, was it a, a, a football official, a baseball umpire, and then worked overnights at a Western Electric in the city. And he was never at any of my dad's games, and that bothered my dad. My dad always, you know, said to himself, you know, if I have kids, I'm never going to miss their games. There'd be times where I wouldn't see my dad for two, three days because he'd be out of town traveling, and I'd get to my baseball game. And right as the game start, and I see him walking in ninety degree heat in the summer in a, in a business suit, just coming back from the airport. Yeah, just making sure that that he was able to to watch my games and support me. How much does that mean to you? Tons. Yeah. Tons. You know, it goes back to I was never afraid to fail mm. because of him. I, I yeah. knew he'd always support me. And you know, one thing one thing I also did is I was an ambassador to American football in Brazil, mm. and and so. I lived out there, and I was able to... You speak some Portuguese? Uh, un poco. <laughs> oh, un poquino Portuguese. Yeah. Uh, enough to order food and get around. Let's go. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, when I was out there, I went out there kind of just looking to coach and play a little bit in my off seasons for Marina football. But me and, and the other American that brought me out there, one of my college teammates, we were able to change some lives to help some high school age Brazilian kids come to the United States um, and and get their education paid for yeah. and, and, and really, really change some lives. And the only reason I was over there and, you know, I went over there as in my late 20s and, and, you know, even my buddy's like, why are you still messing around with football? Yeah. You know, why don't you, you know, get into the working world? And my dad always tell me, if you still love it, go do it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I went over there and changed some lives. Yeah. And then doing that, you know, I stepped, once I got done with the Brazil stuff, I stepped right into coaching back at COD. And I knew once I got back there, you know, I want to be the head coach. So when, when the, the coach I was coaching for there, you know, my mentor, when he retired, I knew I wanted to take that job over because that place means so much to me. But yeah, but yeah it's, uh, you know, having that support of my father really guided me and, and, you know, not being afraid to fail. And, and, you know, when a lot of people are questioning why I'm doing it, he's saying, well, keep doing it. Working sucks. Keep playing football. Yeah. Yeah. That's so Smart. powerful. I mm-hmm. think of like growing up, my dad always told me, he always said, you only need one person to believe in you and that mm-hmm. person's going to be me. And he would say the same thing for sports. So when I was younger, my brother's a year older and my dad raised us. So he couldn't be in all places at once. So like I couldn't really do, be doing my sports. My brother mm-hmm. couldn't be doing his sports at the same time. So we played on the same teams. Well, my brother couldn't play on the girls team. So <laughs> I played on the guys on the guys teams with him, like t-ball, soccer, basketball, growing up. And I remember my dad, like, ever since a very young age, just being like, you can do anything guys can do. Like, I believe in you. You know, you need one person to believe in you. And that carried me, like, to this day still carries me through through life and through a lot of situations. And I think, like, all of these young people coming in that we work with, where it's like, man, like, you're up for your football players, you know, the one person that who knows their background. You might be the one person in their life that, you know, you believe in them. I know we are definitely yeah. some people. Like, we're people in other people's lives where we just – believe in them it's crazy how many mm-hmm. people don't have one person that believes in them it's not sad we, we have it all the time guys that yeah. well I mean especially having a diverse team mm-hmm. you know a lot a lot of guys on my team you know me or another guy on the coach staff is the first you know Caucasian male that they've ever been able to trust yeah and listen to and believe in and I, I tell you what uh, showing somebody love and showing someone that you care you can you can say anything to them to get the best out of them. Yeah, and you got to establish that relationship first. Mm-hmm. I tell my kids all the time: listen to the message, not the volume. And I also tell them some of the the meanest stuff ever said to me were by people that love me the most and got the best out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and don't forget that. And and because of that, you know, you set that relationship up where the where the kid knows you care and love him, and you're trying to to help him get the best version of himself. And you get angry about it, you can get angry. And they know it's coming from a good place, yeah. as opposed to that relationship not being set up. Now you're just another another male yelling at them, yeah. and, it, and, it, and, and they tune it out, turns into white noise, mm-hmm. and it, they end up walking away from it. And that's, I think, you see a lot of non-successful football programs, a lot of guys transferring, leaving programs. You know, the coaches aren't doing a good enough job of setting that relationship up. Yeah. Yep. I believe in that too. You can't say the wrong thing to the right person. Mm-hmm. Me and my friends tell each other that when we have to yeah, with each other. <laughs> I'm psycho, so I know. Yeah. I'm nuts. I want the I want the job done, and I definitely don't always have the best delivery. So relationships are vitally important to business, yep. sports, and all of that. And I wish I knew that at a younger age. I got into leadership very young in this company, and you know I uh, can definitely think of mistakes where I've lost of guys have transferred to other 
other mm-hmm. agencies. It's just like I think of sports and everything. It's all the same. You know what yep. I mean? It's all the same. Life is, life is so. It's they're so cyclical. Managing people. It's so yeah. You know what I mean? Really managing. You know relationships. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's uh, it's good. It's why I gotta read. You know what I mean? You see all the books in here. It's like I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta get better. You know what I mean? So yep. this is this is fire. What else you got? Anything? No. I got I a couple more. So um, out of curiosity. Just uh, as we jump around different topics and things like that, I get curious about hobbies outside of coaching and things like that. What makes you you? What's what makes you? Well, you guys are gonna laugh at me, but uh, I want to say right when I got back from Brazil, I got my uh, blew the dust off my old baseball card collection from when I was a kid. People are making some good money with that, but that's the problem. They are, yeah, not me. (laughs) I like the stuff too much. I I buy it and I don't sell it. Yeah, you know, I I really enjoy collecting it, and and uh, you know you collect your favorite players, all that yeah. stuff. And, and, you know, you get the, you get the uh, pull a card out of a pack. It's gambling, basically. Yeah. Pull out a card out of a pack worth a lot of money. The smart people sell it. And then I sit there and hold on to it. And yeah. Man, I haven't seen baseball cards in so long. Yeah. It's probably been like over 10 years since I've seen a baseball mm-hmm. card. Yeah. I, my, my wallet wishes I didn't see him for 10 years still. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Is there any other hobbies? Uh, I'm big into sports. Um, yeah. You know, outside of, I'm not a fan of soccer, yeah, but I can watch it. Yeah, if something's competitive, if, if I think the World close. World Cups here, 2026. Yeah, I think yeah, I think, I think I it is. Too. I only watch soccer when the World Cups on yeah. and America's playing. Yeah, other than that, I I don't do soccer. Yeah, so I, I mean, my uh, my wife really gets frustrated with me because whenever there's sports on, that's what I want to watch. Yeah, I don't really want to watch, you know, the the baking cookoff shows. Yeah, <laughs> I want to put on a competition of sports. Yes, um, but yeah, I can watch any sports. I, I love just relaxing, but. You know, becoming a father, you know, you, you want to hang out with your kid and you want to wrestle with him and, yeah. and and do all that stuff. So I, I really enjoy spending time with him. That's hilarious. Are That's you good. a Bears fan? Or Packers. Pack- Packers. Packers. Go yeah. Oh, my goodness. Bears rival. What um, what other sports teams do you like? Do you watch basketball? Uh, I was a big Bull fan with the Jordan era. Um, yeah. Actually, my first tattoo that's now covered up was uh, number 91 on my arm. And that was my football number yeah. because of Dennis Rodman. Rodman. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Do you ever have any crazy hairstyles? No. It, been dealing with this since 1995, this exact style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Let's it's go. Like my, my Galaxy S7 phone that I'm still using. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, I always get curious, and maybe you don't because half the people I ask don't. Do you have a favorite movie? Yes. The Natural. The Natural. Guarantee you've never seen it. So it's Robert Redford when he was a young man. Look it up. And it's, it's a it's a baseball movie about a you know guy growing up on a farm and had some things happen in life and, and gets his opportunity late in life and and becomes a hero. Yeah, man. That sounds interesting. I haven't seen it. It's got eighty three percent Rotten Tomatoes. That's a pretty yeah. good read. That's yeah. that's good for good enough for me. It's that's a, good for a movie that came out in nineteen eighty four. Before the internet. Yeah. Oh, nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Yeah. That's solid. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a favorite restaurant, Chicago, or just in general? You got a favorite. Food place? Uh, pizza. Pizza? Pizza, yeah. I, I don't, you know, outside of the, the chain stores like Sarpino's and, and, and Papa John's, I don't really mess with those places, but I can go anywhere and, and enjoy pizza. Is there an in particular place that's like, that's the best pizza I've had in Chicago? G- Gianorio's in Lombard. Gianorio's. Thin crust, yeah. Yeah? I right love Thin Main crust. Street. Gianorio's. Not you, uh, to be confused with Giordano's, right? Correct. Giordano's is the best deep dish, though. 
Yeah, I like the deep dish, but I think I ate so much of it when I first got here oh, yeah. that I deep dished myself out yeah, of deep dish. It goes like a brick in your yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've never been a fan of deep dish. Are you an Aurelio's fan? Do you like Aurelio's? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Is yeah. that like in comparison, is it kind of like a sweeter sauce or? Uh, I don't know how to describe their sauce. It, it's all, it's a homemade family recipe sauce. Mm-hmm. You know, it, very similar to... Yeah, I'm a big guy. You can't get me going off food. I'll be here for three hours. But very similar to Mama Maria's and Elmhurst. It's, you know, it's their family don't recipe sauce. Phenomenal. I don't know. Yeah. I just DoorDash everything. must not know all the good places. Yeah, I DoorDash. I get everybody's advice and opinions. Then I collect them, put them on my notes, and then I get just overwhelmed by all the options, and I don't do anything. I grew up in uh, Kankakee, so our, the okay. nicest restaurant we had was Olive Garden. So I feel like you they just stick built to one the, the, over here. I know yeah. they have one um, down the street, but yeah, they just built another one. It was one. hidden, kind of a weird spot. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys this about food. When you're when you're trying to find new places, family family recipe. If that's in the description, that's the place you want to go. And wood fired grill, stay away from them. Wood fired grill, they just try to fancy up just regular yeah. food. Yeah, and, you know they slap five dollars more per meal on it, and yeah. you're you're not ever impressed with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but family recipe, you, you got to go with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is definitely a good go-to. Um, I can't think of anything else. Fire podcast got about an hour in. Yeah, is there so. anything else that you yeah. want to add or anything else? No, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, my hope from this, and and I know. You know, we'll speak in the future about some of my players that that have some interesting stories that can come talk to you guys if you want to. But yeah, just do. getting the word out and getting the the stigma of junior college football from people who think they know about it, kind of thrown out the window so they know about our program, and then to kind of educate people about what it is. It's not mm. just a football program for somebody to come for two years. So yeah. one of the problems is um, a lot of the the local high school coaches that aren't familiar with what what we do, they think. Junior college is only for kids that just mess up academically and or a guy that didn't play for them. Like mm. I get a lot of coaches that will call me up and they'll be like, hey, uh, I got a kid that needs junior college. I'm like, okay, well, tell me a little about him. Yeah, you know, he's got like a 1.5 GPA and, you know, you know, like he didn't really play for us either, so he needs JUCO. I'm like, well, we got a 120-man roster and everyone's handpicked, so I wish the kid the best of luck, but, I mean, he's going to waste his time here. And, and that's another thing. I'm going down a, a – a, a bad hole if I bring kids in the program that aren't going to have a good experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whether they're going to be a, uh, a a starter for us or a rotational guy, or if they're just going to ride the bench and I and I could see that from their film, I can't have them in the program. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not going to have a good experience, and and I got to make sure that from the best player on my roster down to the worst, that they're getting the same love and development. That, you know, the same, and we're not wasting our time with anybody. Yeah. So can't have a good pizza without good ingredients. That's right. Yeah. Family recipe. Family recipe. Family recipe. Yeah. That's something yeah. we're trying to get better at is uh, right in the hiring process. It's making sure, trying to identify those individuals with the with the right uh, internal traits so they can correspond into sales. And mm-hmm. obviously, if they have a good experience, it'll be uh, good mm-hmm. for the overall organization and, and what they represent here. And then obviously, you know, I mean, everybody that you have wearing your jersey is uh, you know, a referral generator or mm-hmm. the exact opposite. So, yeah, make, make sure you, you got the, and I hate the term dangle the carrot over their head. Yeah. But make sure that they're stepping forward because, you know, no matter what it is in life, mm-hmm. if somebody feels like they're making progress, they're going to stick with it. Yes. And yes. I, I think, you know, the problem with today's generation and it's the, the tablet, the internet generation, yes. is everyone wants instant gratification. Instant. And, you know, even my generation wasn't 
you know, we're starting to get out of the old generation of, you know, yeah. if you want something, you got to work for it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the further we go, you know, the, the younger the kids are, we're getting away from that. So absolutely, you got to show them that they're making progress early on. Yeah. To keep them going in that path. Thousand yeah. percent. Awesome. Well, another episode of Adversity Kings, co-host Savannah Shipman. And then how do we say your name again? Matthew Ron. Matthew Ron. Yeah. Let's go. And Matt Ron. I was Coach Matt Ron down at College of DuPage. Make sure you guys check them out. Got a phenomenal program. Are people able to, like, DM and send film to you via DM and yeah, things like that? Yeah, uh, Twitter, uh, at FBCoach underscore Ron, R-A-H-N. Huddle was right by my office in Lincoln, I remember. Oh, That's, yeah, it's their uh, – Yeah. It's a big, big revenue for that state. Yeah, they got an HQ right out there, so – this was awesome. Thank you again, Coach Ron. So, Thanks you guys for have a blessed me. day. Thanks, Sav. Thanks, Aaliyah. And let's go.